Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. Hey, how's everybody doing? Good to see you guys. Thank you for coming to Freedom Church today. If it's your first time, thank you for coming out and checking us out. And uh, so glad you guys are here in the auditorium. Let's give some love to people watching online. Give them some love. I want to say thanks to Mike Donahue for last week. Man, we love students here, and our students are being overwhelmed, but we're going to help them overcome with Jesus. The students that we got here and the students we're going to reach. Let's give God praise for that, all right? All right, all right. Hey, man, that last song, I'm telling you what. Man, I, could, I just about lost it back there. I was going to have a shouting fit back here just waiting to come out here. And, and man, it was just amazing. So I want you to give honor where honor is due to our worship team because they worked very hard to get here very early. You guys give them some love, all right? And, and not to mention, man, we got so many incredible people here. But man, I'll tell you, they're the ones here the earliest on Sunday morning. We really appreciate them and their sacrifice and what they do. So, um, since Easter, I've been in the book of Daniel, uh, and uh, man, just learning some things from his life. And uh, so, I'm very excited about that. Uh, if you uh, want to know about those particular messages that we've already done, uh, you can go and check out our app. Just go Gallatin, Tennessee, Freedom Church, Gallatin, Tennessee. You can download that. Also, you can get message notes there. But let me ask this question as we go into this week of this. Uh, how many of you here, you got a sticky note when you came in? Yes, you did. If you did not get a sticky note when you come in, just lift your hand up. No, they're, not gonna, they're just going to slip around and make sure to get one because here's what I think about sticky notes. How many of you agree with me? Just lift your hand up if you don't have one. How many of you agree with me that sticky notes was an incredible invention? Would you raise your hand? Right? Right? Yes. Now, here's my question. How many of you use them on a regular basis? Raise your hand. Look at there. There's a lot of forgetful people like me. Yes. Because here's the thing about sticky notes. If it was not for my wife and sticky notes, I would probably be a bad husband and a bad pastor, okay? Just being honest with you. Because she continually reminds me of things that I do not forget. And some of you are thinking, well, I just use my phone. And I put dinger in it. Whatever. Anyway, I like sticky notes. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I get that. You can use your phone, but I like sticky notes a lot. Because sticky notes reminds me of things that I do not need to forget. And there's things I'm going to forget. I'll just tell you that straight up right now. And uh, as I get older, I have what I call part-timers. Anybody got part-timers? Are you with me? You know what I'm talking about. But here's the thing about life. There are some things in life that we don't want to remember. Are you with me? You think about this week and coming to church and, you know, when it comes to Going to church, church in the South is really, and, and growing up in the church in the South, is a place where that if we're not careful, we don't come to focus on Jesus. We've come to make a faithful appearance. And thanks to Jesus who lived and he died on a cross and he vacated an empty tomb that all of his followers couldn't stop talking about it. So they started the church and the church still exists over 2,000 years later. There's two things that can be found in a church. You should be able to find community, and you should be able to find grace. Look around at the people you're sitting beside right now, all over the place. 
These are people who need grace, the unmerited favor of Almighty God. We all need that. However, when it comes to going to church, even before you got here this morning or this week, some of you probably done some things that you didn't mean to do. Some of you may have got in a driving situation and someone cut you off. Instead of a sling and a prayer, you shot them a bird. Some of you may have lost your temper before you got to the house of the Lord over a minor issue and you blew your top. Some of you may have said some words to someone that you love dearly and now you're regretting because you can't stick them back in your mouth. The church should be an atmosphere, it should be a place that we can admit our problems and ask for help, not just coming in here that we try to appear perfect. But isn't that human nature? We don't necessarily want to let people know about the things that's going on in our lives. A man might come into the church all dressed up, but trying to cover up having an affair with his co-worker. It may be that a person's coming in and they're dressing up, they're trying to cover up a, an addiction that they're struggling with. There might be a couple that's coming in and they got a rebellious kid, but yet they're dressing up and they won't appear perfect because they don't want anybody at the church. They fear that they won't know them as that perfect family. You see, somehow the perception of the church is for perfect people that have it all together. That they're not overwhelmed with circumstances. They're not overwhelmed with problems. They're not overwhelmed with any kind of situation that happens in life. Instead of seeing the church as a place to repent of our brokenness and get support for our weaknesses, we've gotten to the point that they're really good at covering up the mess that's going on in our lives. This isn't the biblical understanding of the body of Christ. In Acts chapter 2, after Jesus ascended back to heaven and the church was born, it says in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42, it says, all the believers devoted themselves. Can you say devoted themselves out loud, please? They devoted themselves to these things, to the apostles' teaching, which was the Word. And to fellowship, which is from the Greek means koinonia. That means coming together with one another. And to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. And to many, and it says, and prayer. So those are the things that there was taking place with the church here that was born. Now what happened is, it says a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had. See, the church was put together to be a family. You can fake it with people you don't know, but you won't fake your family out because they know the truth. When you think about the cross, only God can take a blood-stained cross and turn it into an empty tomb, folks. Let me say that again and you'll get this and let it, I want it to come down deep in your soul and I want you to understand what, only God can take a bloodstained cross and turn it into an empty tomb and he's a God that you need in your life on a consistent basis. That's who you need. So when you think about the cross, you think about the left side of the cross as a non-believer or the right side of the cross as a believer. When you think about the left side of the cross, these are people that don't know Jesus yet. 
These are people that have not been born again. They are lost. They do not know Jesus. They haven't confessed their sins yet. And the biggest problem that a person has on the left side of the cross is not that they deal with struggles, that they deal with things that they're going, that's going on. They don't have a relationship with the Son of God. They don't know Him. And when it comes to the lives, not only that being the biggest problem, the biggest need that a person has on the left side of the cross is that they don't need their life filled with more junk. They don't need their life filled with more struggles. They don't need to cling to things that's not of God. They need a relationship with Jesus. When you meet Jesus and you move to this side of the cross, you move from death to life. That's what's so important that you understand. Even Jesus said this and he proved this. John 5 and 24, in the, in, it's in the New Testament here, in the Gospel of John, he says, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. That means they're going to have life in heaven. They're going to have a mansion for their home. They're going to live in eternity in the presence of God without the presence of sin and all this stuff that we deal with down here in this life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. See, there's, a, there's misconceptions that happens in the church world, though, when it comes to being a non-believer over here and a believer over here. When people cross from being a non-believer and they become a believer, there's this mindset that Christians have it all together and life gets easy. That could be so far the truth that it's just not true. I saw people that have more problems on this side of the cross than non-believers have on this side of the cross. And they face things unlike a lot of people could ever face in their life. And when you become a Christian, listen to me closely, when you become a Christian and you go from this side of the cross to this side of the cross, listen, you're not dealing with a penalty of sin, but you're still dealing with the effects of sin. That's what that we live in a sinful, broken world, and we still deal with these kind of things in our lives. Whether it's your sin or someone else's sin, we get affected by the effects of sin. And the goal of the right, right side of the cross isn't that Christians get everything perfect, that we become perfect, but that we realize on this side of the cross that we have a continual need in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Every day, 24-7, 365, I recognize I have a continual need for Jesus, that this side of the cross is not a get-out-of-hell-free card. We need Jesus in our lives on a continual basis. And when we're feeling overwhelmed, the church needs to be a place that we can go to for healing, not covering up and acting perfect. That the church is a place that we run to that we don't run from. Today, I'm talking about obsessed or confess. No matter whichever side of the cross that you're on, today you'll have an opportunity to come to the right side of the cross. But when people are obsessed with things, they are preoccupied with it. They are haunted by it. It's something that continually gets at them. But when someone confesses something, it means I can agree with God. I don't have it together, and I can't do this by myself, and I need you, Jesus. This past week, I was talking to one of my family members, and they was talking about how a bad day got worse. I don't know about you, but sometimes for me, it's when days, bad days, plural, gets worse. How many of you ever had bad days that's gotten worse, right? Well, that happens to a lot of us, and life can get worse quickly. 
Life can happen in a moment's notice, in a millisecond, whether it's something you've done sinful or something that's happened in your life that you had no part of or somebody else's sin or something like that. Daniel found himself in this type of situation. Now, I've talked about in Daniel 1, we skipped to Daniel 3. I'm going back to Daniel 2, so don't follow me in order. You're going to get mixed up, okay? (laughs) We're going to Daniel 2 today. But here in Daniel chapter 2, and you can turn your Bibles or you can turn on your Bible and go there. Daniel found himself in a situation that he had no control over. Daniel found himself in a situation to where that things were happening to him that was an evil agenda. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon was a very power-hungry, a very evil king. He was a king that was unstable. You say, what do you mean? See, kings were constantly the target of an assassination. So therefore, they lived very insecure in their lives. And in that culture of belief, they believed in that time that if a king had a, a dream, that those dreams were important messages from the gods. So he would have a special A-team of interpreters to be able to interpret the dreams that they would have. And in Daniel chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. It freaks him out. He wakes up. He calls in the A-team and wants them to interpret the dream that normally he would tell the group of men what the dream was and then they would interpret it. But in this case, King Nebuchadnezzar had issues. He had trust issues. And so he throws a kink in this and a twist into what was taking place. I begin in Daniel 2 and verse 1. It says, one night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had such disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. How many of you have ever had disturbing dreams and you couldn't sleep? Yes, yes, yes. That's why I take 10 milligrams of melatonin every night. You say, honey, let's go. It's, this pastor's on drugs. It's not drugs, okay? Melatonin, your body naturally, it's, it's, you find it in the vitamin section, people. So don't, don't, don't tweet about that, okay? Um... Where was I? Anyway, verse 2. He called in his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers, and he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. As they stood before the king, he said, I have had a dream that deeply troubles me, and I must know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, long live the king. Tell us the dream, and we will tell you what it means. But the king said to the astrologers, I am serious about this. You ever got, you remember mom and dad, they look at, I'm serious about this boy. Anyway, he said, I'm serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means, you will be torn limb from limb and your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. But if you tell me what I dreamed and what the dream means, I will give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me what the dream, tell me the dream and what it means. In other words, he's saying, you tell me what the dream is. I'm going to reward you with a lot of stuff. If you don't, I'm killing you. And he was serious. But they pushed back on the king's insane ideas here. Check this out. It says, they said again, please, your majesty, tell us the dream and we will tell you what it means. But the king stood by his crazy mindset here. And he said, I know what you're doing. You're stalling for time because I know, you know, I'm serious when I say, if you don't tell me the dream, you are doomed. So you have conspired to tell me lies, hoping I'll change my mind. But tell me the dream, and then I'll know that you can tell me what it means. 
with the intense pressure that's rising against the wise men here, they're trying their best to reason with the king. Check this out. Then it says, the astrologers replied to the king, no one on earth can tell the king his dream. And no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. The king's demand is impossible. No one except the gods can tell you your dream, and they do not live here among people. So at this point, King Nutty Neb loses his ever-loving mind. Check this out. It says, the king was furious, and when he heard this, he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. Daniel and his friends weren't even present. They weren't there. Now think about Daniel. Chapter 1, we see Daniel stood up for what he was going to eat and drink because what was eating and drinking from the king's table was being something that was being aspired to the gods, the pagan gods, and he was not going to forsake his relationship with God, and the Lord spared him. Now imagine him not being here, and the king is furious, and he is not even a part of it, and now he's going to get killed for it. Imagine Daniel's at his house. He's done with dinner. He's chilling on the couch. He's scrolling through the iPhone and looking at Facebook, and they knock on his door and say, oh, Daniel, we're here to kill you, bro. That's a bad day, already living in the bondage of Babylon, but yet you're getting killed for something you had nothing to do with, no fault of the man's own. And Daniel found himself in an overwhelming situation. He's trying his best to live for God in a godless land. Does that kind of sound like where we're living at right now? We might not be facing crazy King Neb here, but we've all been there when something hits us out of nowhere, whether it's our fault or it's not our fault. So with the intense pressure, Daniel, here, here's where we got to go. With the intense pressure that's facing here on Daniel, Daniel didn't lose his mind. Well, Daniel didn't lose his hope, but he responded in a way that gives you and I an example of how to respond when something hits us out of nowhere. So stay with me today. Talking about a couple of ways we can live life. We can live life in reaction or we can live life in a godly response. But most people today, especially in America, are living life in reaction. You know why? Because everybody's running wide open. I mean wide open. Would you agree with that? People are running wide open. Back in 1985, I purchased a 1978 Z28 Camaro, thebomb.com, whether that's not one of your words or not. How many 80s rockers we have here? Yes, yes. See, look at you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Anyway, here's a picture of the car. Check this out. Check this out. Now, that was an automobile, people. You know why it was an automobile? Because you could raise the hood and actually work on it without 47 computers in your way. You see what I'm saying? I mean, it was great. Now, here's the thing about it. When I bought this car, one side out of the dual exhaust smoked. And so it had a broken ring. So I got a buddy of mine that knows how to build engines with his eyes closed to rebuild the motor. And after he rebuilt it, he actually started it on the floor before he put it in the car. That's how this guy was an ace mechanic. 
So we get it put in the car. So it's a 350 four barrel with a quadrajet. How many of you guys know what a four barrel quadrajet is? Raise your hand. So in order to hear the quadrajet, you would take the top of the air filter and you flip it over. And then you screw the wing nut down on it. So when you laid into it, I mean, you could hear it. And man, I would go through town. The problem was I put it low and I would go through town and I had these thrush dual exhausts and I would get it up to about 90 in first gear and then let off a, and I would look around to see if anybody's looking when I'm going through town. Seriously. And I run that car, I raced that car and I did all this stuff. But there's one problem about a car. With a tachometer, if you leave it in red and you keep it in red too much for too long, what happens to the engine? It blew up. And my fun days were over with. And let me tell you this. God didn't make me and God didn't make you to run life in the red all the time. Sooner or later, you're going to blow up. Life's going to hit you very hard. Things in your life are not going to go good when you're busy, 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 and you're running in the red. I found this quote, and there's no one to contribute it to because there wasn't a name with it. But check this out. It says, if I were the devil, I would invent a device you can hold in your hand that would ensure you'd always have your schedule in front of you and give people access to you anytime they wanted. Right? A couple of weeks ago, me and a buddy of mine fished together all the time, Ryan. We went down to Lake Gunnersville down in Alabama. Scottsboro, Alabama, went down there and we were fishing, just going at it, you know, and stuff. And it come time for lunch. We brought our lunch with us and we're out in the middle of this huge cove. And we thought, well, let's stop and eat lunch here. And that's when, after I stopped to eat lunch, I began to look around and I thought, wow. What a beautiful creation God has made. And I was thinking about being Crimson Tide, Alabama, Crimson Tide country, and I was trying to block that from my mind so it didn't mess up the moment because I'm a Tennessee Vols guy. But I sit there and I looked around, I seen all the beauty of that moment. And the thing about it is many good Christian people, they don't have any intimacy in their relationship with God because they're running too fast and they don't take time to see his beauty. We're running wide open all the time. And that moment, I got to look around and I stopped and I got to see the beauty of what God was doing. And when we run wide open, we're always hurrying. We are going to miss all the ways that God is trying his best to reveal himself to us. And I'll tell you this, and I quote this, it's only when we slow down and see the beauty that we can experience intimacy. That is with God. You can't handle this life, even if you're on the right side of the cross, if you're too busy for God to pour into you and help you when you're going through things in life that's overwhelming you. You cannot have intimacy with God if you don't slow down and spend time with God. Most of us have too many given things to do in a given day. You got all these meetings to go to. You got all these practices to get the kids to. You got these meals to be able to prepare. You've got the, you got to, man, you got to check this phone at least 30 times an hour. You might miss how many people like that post that you just posted. You know what's crazy off the subject here, but you know what's happening today, current stat. We are looking at this phone on an average three hours and 43 minutes a day right now. 
I wonder why we don't have the power that God wants to pour in our lives because we're not spending time in intimacy with Him. You can't handle this life on the right side of the cross if you're having that kind of a life, running wide open. But also, you have these undue expectations in your life. You say, what do you mean? If we're running wide open, we're overwhelmed with some kind of sin that we have in our life or we're affected by somebody else's sin or somebody else's burden and we're worried all the time. We have these overwhelming circumstances and situations and problems. Listen, we can get guilty in our life of focusing on somebody else's fault that's going on in their life in order to deflect our own problems. When you're walking through life and you're overwhelmed, It's really easy to look at other people and blame them for what's going on in your circumstances in life. And if you catch yourself doing that, I'm telling you, when you begin to blame other people, to blame other people is to be lame, is what it means. Instead of pointing your finger at somebody else, maybe you spend just a little bit more time looking in the mirror at the person that may have caused the problems. And listen, if you want to overcome what's overwhelming your life, you've got to be sure that you look very closely to the choices that you're making in your life. You're living life in reaction. You're not spending any time about the decisions before you make them. It's important that we understand that. We've got to live life in godly response. Something that one of my teachers in school a long time ago taught me. And I want to share this with you. And I've shared it before and I want to share it again. Because when I get tired of saying it, you'll just be getting it. You live life and you can react or respond. When you react in life, you give no thought about what you're about to do. But whenever you pull back from a situation and ask God for a godly response, that's what makes the difference in your life, that you don't suffer the consequences of shrapnel flying because you made a bunch of bad decisions. That's what people do. That's why you get overwhelmed. You're reacting. You're not responding and spending time with God and intimacy and slowing down enough to not blame somebody else and spending time with God and and look at other people to clean up the mess you just made. You got to own your life. Own your life. So living life with a godly response is this. Denial's never going to help you. You say, what do you mean? Shannon and I took a short little trip a couple weeks ago. We got back to the airport in Nashville. We had drove my truck down there. We left the airport, and we noticed my truck was... I thought, what in the world is wrong with my truck? So I started pushing the buttons, it shows your air pressure. That's pretty cool, you know, you can see your air pressure, right? I thought I had a flat, about to go flat, and we're on the interstate. And it's... Finally, I thought, I think I know what it is. Now, my wife, understand my wife, she is terrified of my driving. She'll be terrified of your driving too, because she's just terrified of big trucks. We had already had a big truck come over on us and almost made us crash on the interstate coming from the airport. Okay, no lie about that. That's just, that just happened. So this is, we're doing this right here. So I started looking behind me and I remembered a couple of years ago, for whatever reason, one of the calipers on my truck locked up, just one, and it would go. So I started looking behind me. There wasn't nobody behind me. So what did I do? Without telling my wife, dumb mistake number one, I tapped the brakes. And she said, what are you doing? I mean, it just, I, I said, I'm sorry, hon, but it cleared up. It was smooth then. And um, so I didn't, I should have warned Shanda. I didn't warn her that I was about to tap the brakes. But 
I couldn't keep going like that. It was going, it was rattling the truck and all those kind of things. And that's just like with our lives. No matter what you're going through, you can't expect things to get better on its own. Sometimes you have to do something. And also, if you're not the only, you know, you're not the only person a lot of times is affected by it. You know, I tapped the brakes and hit her and she freaked out, thought I was going to hit somebody or something, you know. But when it comes to your life, things will affect and impact your friends or your spouse or people that you work with and people that you interact with daily. You can't keep going in the same direction and deny that something's going on. Daniel didn't try to deny there was a problem. He didn't say, oh, I'm sure the king won't kill us. We weren't there. But here's where I want you to go. Look at the godly response to tackle the problem head on. He didn't deny it. He says, when Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. Think about that, those two words, wisdom and discretion. How did he get wisdom and discretion? Because Daniel spent time praying to God morning, noon, and night. He spent time on the intimacy with God. He did not deny his relationship. He did not deny the problem. He was not running wide open. He was not blaming other people. He took action here with wisdom and discretion. He asked Arioch, why has the king issued such a harsh degree? So Arioch told him all that had happened. Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. Now, it wasn't news that Daniel wanted to hear as far as he's going to die. And it was not on his agenda that day to not get killed by the king. That is not something that he had written down or come up in the notes of his phone. Daniel's choice was two things. He could deny the problem or he could face it head on. If he had pretended that the king did not put a hit on their life, him and his friends would have been dead, folks. If you want to overcome your circumstances, listen to me, you cannot run away from them. They're not going to die. You can't sweep a lump under the carpet. You're going to trip over it. And one thing that, that you get is whenever you admit that you have a problem, it's one thing. But if you think you're not going to admit you have a problem, you know what keeps people from admitting that? Pride. Pride. Pride goes right before the, the fall. Pride leads you into a prison. It's going to cause, it can cause you spiritual death. It can cause you emotional death. It can cause you relational death. And in some situations, it can cause you to have physical death. So denial is not going to help, but also we can't do life alone. Now, when we look at Daniel here, Daniel was a major prophet in the Bible. He's considered a biblical hero. You, he's looked at as a spiritual giant, but he found himself in the middle of an overwhelmed situation. And you know what he knew? He could not go and do it alone. Look what it says here at verse 17. Starting there, it says, Then Daniel went home and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, what had happened. He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. That night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. Wow, <laughs> that's amazing. That here he is, Daniel, one of the strongest men in the Bible. He knew that he couldn't go this alone. He knew he needed his friends, and he went to his friends in that moment. And listen, listen, he, he, you know, he, he, he went to him and said, okay, listen, guys, I need you. We're in an overwhelmed situation. I'm going to die, and there's a chance you are too. 
So they began to be able to talk to God about it. Now, how did his friends respond to him? Did his friends criticize him? No. Did they judge him? No. Did they run away in fear? No, they did not do that. They rallied around together with Daniel and sought God, and the power of God came in on this situation for them to overcome the situation. And you know what? That's why we all need each other here. Out of our high five values, one of them that we have, our high, we have five high five values. Everyone reaching, everyone growing, everyone serving, everyone connecting, everyone giving, okay? But in, when everyone connecting, we've, we learned that you can't do life alone. And that's why it's so important that you understand that you have other people in your life. Listen to me, man. Man, you need to hang out with other men. Not just to be able to lie about how good you were in high school sports or be able to talk football or baseball or whatever. You need to be around other men that you can hold each other's arms up and pray one for another and be there for each other. Ladies, you need to be able to be around other godly women. And you need to get to ground other godly women, not to gossip about everybody else, but to be able to get together and be able to encourage each other, not just to talk about your kids' performance and what they're doing in school or what the latest fashion is. You need to be there with each other and love each other, encourage each other. We need each other in this life. Like Daniel needed his friends in this moment for godly encouragement because life has its way of kicking you when you're down. Would you agree with that? It does. That's why church is not supposed to be a place to appear perfect, but a place, listen to me closely, where it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Let me say it one more time. Church is a place where it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay for you to stay that way. As long as I'm a pastor of Freedom Church, we're going to be a church where that we're not going to be a hotel for saints. We're going to be a hospital for sinners. Come on, church, that we can come to the grace of Almighty God and get something. And let me say this here. If you're perfect here, after this service is over, please leave and don't come back because you're really going to mess things up if you're perfect. Because there's not any perfect people here, starting from here to you. And, and there's no perfect people here at this church. And I want you to understand that today. Church is to be a place where people can come and they admit that they're struggling with issues in their lives. And without, they are not, without fear, they're not going to be thrown out of the church or they're not going to be gossiped about. We're going to love them. We're going to pray for them. We're going to lift them up and encourage them. That's why we're starting in-groups. You say, what do you mean in-groups? If you're terrified of the, I don't know how to read the Bible, I'm scared somebody's going to call on me to pray. In-groups are fellowship groups that we're starting, that we can fellowship and spend time together and encourage each other and love each other. And if you'd like to lead an in-group, it's very simple. If you like golfing, you can lead a golfing group, okay? If you like bowling and, and playing ball, whatever, bowling group. You can do a bowling group. Hey, I've been a part, if you're going to, you might want to do a grilling group. That might be the group that I would be interested in, grilling group or eating group or whatever it is but we're going to be doing that and finding listen listen you need friends you need 2 a.m friends you say what's a 2 a.m friend that friend this life happens to you that you can call them at 2 a.m they're not mad because you called them they're glad that you called them because they're going to come running to your need because they love you and they want to be there for you that's a 2 a.m friend and that's the kind of friends we all need in life. So when in-groups start, I pray that you get to be a part of that. So whatever may be tearing you up inside, I want to encourage you, stop hiding it. The sooner you ask for help, 
and you admit that you need people in your life, the sooner you're going to get relief. But what do you got to do? You got to address what's broken. You've got to address what's broken. I'll never forget when I was about eight years old, me and my brother was at my grandpa's house and my grandpa had this very nice Cub Cadet mower. So we both got on it and started driving it. And when we did, we accidentally caught the corner of the house, which was brick. And you know what it did? It had this arm across the front in that Cub Cadet and it was made out of this alloy type steel and it broke it in two right here, completely snapped it in two. I said, let's pull it back in the garage, Stephen, and we'll just stick it together. He'll never know. <laughs> you know what my brother did? He done what Daniel did at his young age, too. He said, we're not going to do that. He used wisdom and discretion. He said, we're not going to do that. We're going to go tell granddaddy. And I thought, okay, I'm about to die. Granddaddy's 250, 6'4", and he's a big man, and he is a bear. I'm dying. I'm not going to know what it's like to grow up and have kids and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, but my granddaddy's a puppy on the inside. So we walked in there beside each other and we told my granddaddy, you know what my granddaddy did? He was glad we owned up to what we did wrong. And he showed us grace. He told us not to worry about it. He'd fix it. Sometimes you've got to address in your life what's broken you got to address it. It's not going to get better. Relief only comes through repentance. Changing your mind about the situation. Listen, God doesn't want to pull you out of your situations. God wants to lead us through the situations that we are in life. or We won't learn anything. Maybe you need to humble yourself before God and ask him. Say, God, I need to address this. Would you do a work in me, Lord? Would you do a work in me of what's broken? Would you help me, God? Look what God did for Daniel. God gave Daniel victory. Because Daniel didn't act like a victim. He said this, Daniel said, praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness, though he is surrounded by light. I thank and I praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we asked of you and revealed to, revealed to us what the king demanded. You see, if God can bring Daniel through, he can bring you through and me through whatever in the world we're facing and whatever's breaking you in this life. God can do that. But here, I'm just going to be as raw and as real and relevant I can with you today. You've got to slow down. You've got to slow down in this life. You've got to stop blaming other people. You've got to stop denying things because it's not going to help. And, you, because, and you've got to get through this overwhelming situation, but it's not meant for you to go through overwhelming situations by yourself. And then you address what's broken. And then, and only then, will God help you to experience a breakthrough. That's what God wants you to experience. 
Daniel went before King Nebuchadnezzar, which could have struck him down in a minute. But he did it with wisdom and discretion, and he sought God first. And he did what the king told him to do. And he told the king his dream, and he interpreted it. And get this, King Nebuchadnezzar changed. When you read the first four chapters of Daniel, you know what the glory is of those four? It's not what happened with pulling just pulling Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the fire. It's not just Daniel standing up in chapter one and saying, I'm not going to eat the king's food. I'll eat vegetables and water. It's not just the Daniel here interpreting. Do you realize it's what God is doing in King Nebuchadnezzar in the first four chapters of this book? The king changed because people stood in wisdom and discretion and held their God in high esteem and they rallied around each other. And God is having an effect on Nebuchadnezzar. The king, then King Nebuchadnezzar threw himself down before Daniel and worshiped him and he commanded his people to offer sacrifices and burn sweet incense before him. The king said to Daniel, truly your God is the greatest of gods, the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this secret. Then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon as well as chief over all his wise men. At Daniel's request, listen to this, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in charge of all the affairs of the province of Babylon while Daniel remained in the king's court. See, God prospered Daniel after one of the most overwhelming times that anybody could go through and being facing death. And maybe you feel like you're almost crushed here today and God wants to do something in your life. God is not punishing you. God is preparing you like he did Daniel to prosper you and whatever you're going through don't miss that there's hope and healing for hurting in the house of God let me say it again there's hope and there's healing for the hurting in the house of God we can't act like we're perfect we got to go through the one that has the perfection and only God can use our pain for progress these sticky notes has a purpose and if you put your grocery list on you, I'm going to pray a curse on you. <laughs> I hope you didn't. I want to ask you to get real with God today. If you've never given your life to God, did you know that whenever that takes place, he puts your name in the book in heaven, which gives you reservations and gives you a heavenly home when you leave this world? If you've never prayed to receive Jesus as your Lord and been born again and confessed your sins, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that in just a moment. 1 John 1 and 9 tells us if we are faithful, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Can't be obsessed with what you're going through. You've got to confess with God and agree, I can't do this and come to him. Then you can take this and put your name on it and the date and put it on one of these big crosses on my right or on my left. Maybe you're already on the right side of the cross. But yet there's something you're obsessed with, something that you're doing in your own sinful self. You know that it's wrong. It's time you confess it. You write it down and you bring it to the cross and you leave it at the cross. It might not even be your particular sin, but there's something that, you're, that you need healing. You need healing. And only God can bring healing in your life. You write it on here and say, God, I need healing. I'm bringing it to the cross today. God, I'm hurting a burden of a loved one or a, or a child or a friend 
or an employee or your employer, whatever it is. We can't deny it. Can't blame other people. And we need others that's going to rally around and pray in this room today. Now, when you bring whatever you bring to this cross, you don't stick it on the cross and begin reading and say, oh, honey, you wouldn't believe what they've got on this cross. No, no, no. You stick whatever it is on the cross right here, and then you come over here and rally right around me. I'm going to be right here. I want you to rally around through here, and we're going to pray together. Because let me tell you something. My God's not just a prayer-hearing God. My God is a prayer-answering God. So I want to ask you to do that in just a moment. Don't be ashamed. Think, I I can't write this on here. Listen, listen. He said, if you'll be ashamed of him, he'll be ashamed of you in front of his father. Sin is a shameful thing. You write it on here, and we're going to gather here, and we're going to pray. And you're going to say, you know what? I'm leaving it with Jesus today. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. So I want to ask you to bring it to God. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father in heaven right now, God, we love you, we praise you, and we honor you, and thank you, God, for this wonderful moment that we can have together. God, thank you. Thank you, God, for each one that's here, God. God, I don't want to live in just reacting in this life, God. We want to live in godly response. So, God, I pray for conviction on the hearts of anyone here that doesn't know you right now. If you're here as we continue to pray and you don't know Jesus Christ, Jesus proved that he was God whenever his father brought him out of the tomb and he came back to life again after being in a tomb for three days. And the very power that brought Jesus back to life is the same power you can access and live this life with, but yet have an eternal home one day after a while and have the peace of Almighty God, the purpose of God, the joy of an everlasting Savior beginning today. So if you know right now you've never prayed to receive Jesus in your life, it's going to make you a better husband going to make you a better wife. It's going to make you a better mother and a better father. It's going to make you a better employee, a better employer. It's going to make you a better friend and a better son and a better daughter. It's going to make you a better neighbor. So as the Holy Spirit's convicted you, would you pray right where you're at to receive Jesus as Lord and make this your certain day that you've given your life to him, April 25th, year 2021? Would you pray to him right where you're at with your words and just tell him, say, Lord, I want to invite you into my heart today. I want you to be my king. I want you to be my Lord. I believe you gave your life for me. You died for me. And you rose for me. I want to confess my sins to you, God. Please forgive me of all the things I've ever done wrong. Tell them, say, I ask you to save me, Lord. I give my life to you. I want to be born happened in your life give him praise and give him honor and give him glory right now thank him he's going to give you the power of his Holy Spirit put your name on that there and and just put the date on it in the moment when I asked everyone to come up this symbolic way of saying I've given my life to Jesus today for the rest of you that's already on the right side of the cross for whatever is burdening you whatever healing that you need whatever sin that's haunting you whatever addiction that needs to be broken whatever chains need to be done away with and shackles falling off today put it on there and then I want to ask all of you to gather around right here and we're going to have a special time of prayer 
for God to do an amazing work. Father, right now, God, I pray and rebuke Satan in the name of Jesus. He has no right to be here. I rebuke pride from every heart in your house today, God. Lord, that people will come and not be obsessed with what they're going through, but they're going to confess it, God, and ask you to do a mighty work in their lives that only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come right on as we sing. Good morning, everyone. I hope you guys enjoyed today's service. I just wanted to kind of wrap up and give you guys some next steps. If you have given your life to Christ today, that's awesome, and we want to know about it. Um, if you are watching online or on the app, we have a little hamburger icon you can click on, and it'll take you to the connection card, and you can just mark that for us. And if you're on Facebook, if you go to the description, you can find a link, and it'll take you to the connection card. While you're there, you might see some other next steps. If you're interested in any of those next steps, just mark that too, and uh, we'll get that, and we'll be more than happy to work with you about your walk with Christ and what um, is going to happen after today. We're going to move into a time of giving. Here at Freedom Church, we believe that you can't outgive God. If you are on the app or the website, you can just go to that same um, icon and click the link to give, and if you're on Facebook, you can go to the link in the description. Um, and if you would like to send in your tithe, you can do that. We'll have the address to the church right here on the screen, and we'll get that safe and secure. We hope you guys have a great day, and peace out.